0: Magic and magical people, the unnatural order is all around us. There are white witches, black witches, demons, vamps, werewolves, shapeshifters, ghosts. It's a protoplasmic party of creature features out there. But unless you know where to look, you won't find them. I know where to look. My name is Harry Strange.
1: Mr. Strange. I'm not sure what you expect to find out. I cannot give any information to you, to anyone, without
0: a warrant of some type. I understand, Dr. King. I certainly wouldn't want you to risk your license over a hunch. But I do find it curious that you are the attending physician for two dead boys and the one I want to keep alive. So far, neither the police nor the newspapers have made the connections. Is that a threat? No, sir. I was just pointing out that I made a connection no one else has. But they will. I was thinking you could give me some off-the-record details before others come to the same conclusions that I do. You have a strange approach,
1: Mr. Strange. You threaten me, then stop short of making an actual
0: accusation. We're done here. I'm sorry you feel that way, Doctor. I'm sure Lieutenant West of the Night Falls PD will be more accommodating when he interviews you. And once it gets out, well, you could probably talk it away as an unfortunate coincidence. It didn't seem like the doctor had anything else to say. I rolled the dice and came down here after I discovered Dr. Ron King had been the OBGYN who delivered my client's son as well as the two boys who are now dead. I stood up, put on my hat, and turned to the door. What's your next move? I mean, what will you do now? It's always best when they talk themselves into helping you. I'm just a private citizen. I'll give what I have to the cops. Let them deal with it. My job is to keep my client alive, not worry about crimes from 12 years ago. I cannot believe it's been 12 years. I was
1: a different man back then. I didn't think this would happen. I didn't believe it was possible. It was a woman, wasn't it?
0: Why would you say that? I've been at this a long time. You don't strike me as a gambler or a drinker, so a woman was the most logical choice. But please, she was beautiful.
1: Her skin was the color of caramel. There was a sweet smell whenever I was near her. I just wanted to stand next to her and inhale. I followed her around like a lovesick teenager, very unbecoming for an intern. Less so because she was barely out of her teens. She was a candy striper, assisting the nurses and helping out in delivery. She wanted to go to med school, but her family was poor, from the islands. It was unlikely she would be able to get into college. I helped her in any way I could. Then one day I came in and she was crying and carrying on. She was beside herself. She told me she did a terrible thing and needed my help. She had made a deal with a hag. That was the word she used. She needed the children of three single mothers. I asked what for, and she would only say that the old woman promised her she could get through med school. All she had to do was place a white oleander next to each of the mothers. When their boys turned eleven, the old woman would be back for them. You do know that an oleander is deadly, right? I asked one of the labor nurses to remove the flowers ten minutes after I put them there. It was supposed to be harmless. (sighs) What did she mean, back for them? I don't know. I thought the entire thing was some irrational island superstition. "'I asked her to give me the flowers, and I would place them for her. "'She said if the flowers weren't placed, "'the old woman would come for her and her family. "'As I said, I put the flowers out. "'I didn't believe anything would happen, Mr. Strange. "'Then I read about the first boy. "'I thought it was just a fluke, "'but then the second boy died a month later, "'a statistical abnormality, perhaps. "'Now you come to me with the third boy.' None of this makes any sense. Spells. Curses.
0: It's not remotely rational. Maybe it's your understanding of what rationality is that isn't rational. What was this woman's name? I don't know. Come on, Dr. Ron. You assisted this woman in a voodooish ritual and you expect me to believe you don't remember her name? Oh, I did know
1: her name, but I can't remember it anymore. ''Somewhere over the years I've lost it. What's wrong with me, Mr. Strange? I am going crazy, aren't I? I have early onset dementia. All the signs are there.''
0: (laughs) He put his head in his palms and sobbed silently. I wasn't feeling any pity for him, but I doubted he was going to be much use for me until he got a grip on his reality.'' it was unlikely he would have a picture of the candy striper. It took some asking around, but eventually I found what I was looking for, a nurse named Helen. Nurse Helen had worked at this hospital for 18 years, the last 14 right here in the delivery ward. I asked her about the candy striper.
2: Black girl, very attractive. About 11 years ago? That does sound familiar. Questions for her, you say? What kind of questions?
0: Just part of an ongoing investigation. Would you happen to remember her name?
2: Shanna, Samantha, some S name. Let me see if I can pull it up in the employee database.
0: You think she still works here?
2: No, she hasn't worked here in years. I lost track of her.
0: Do you keep track of all the candy stripers?
2: No, but I like this one. She was spunky and, I don't know, special. One of those people that you're just drawn to.
0: Apparently some were more drawn to her than others.
2: But the database remembers everyone. Once they worked here, I have them in here forever. Hmm, wait. That was 12 years ago. This only goes back 10 years. Hold on a second.
0: I watched her walk away. She was probably in her early 50s, but well-maintained. The only real signs of her age were around her neck. She came back a minute later with a picture. It was a group of about 40 women taken in front of the old hospital wing soon to be the new Night Falls Cancer Research Center if the construction was ever completed. All the nurses were smiling their prettiest smiles. I saw Nurse Helen standing in front, holding one half of a three-lined banner that read Night Falls General Hospital, Labor and Delivery, 1994. Holding the other side of the banner was a beautiful woman with skin the color of caramel. I could see why Dr. Ron would be so taken with her. Words... At least the ones I had, didn't come close to describing how beautiful she was. Even now, twelve years later, her golden brown eyes pierce through the film, across time and into my soul.
2: Mr. Strange?
0: Sorry, Nurse Ellen. What were you saying?
2: I cannot remember her name. But if you want to come back later, I will pull up her paper records. They're in storage in the old building.
0: I don't want you to have to do that. Tell me where they are and I'll get them myself.
2: I couldn't ask you to do that. They're difficult to find. Plus, you need one of these. She held up her ID badge.
0: I understand. I'm kind of on a schedule here, so...
2: It's almost lunchtime. You buy a girl a sandwich in the cafeteria, and I'll get the personnel file.
0: She tilted her head slightly and then smiled at me. She smiled again. This time, the smile included her eyes. Baby blues that seemed to be laughing a private joke. Deal. 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 Nurse Helen was amusing company, sharing stories about patients and employees. What about her? I tapped the picture of the beautiful woman who may have been Shanna or Samantha.
2: She mostly kept to herself. Well, except for her dalliances with Dr. King.
0: You knew about Dr. Ron King?
2: Ha, we all knew about Ron and Samara. That's her name, Samara.
0: Samara. Samara. Of course, why
2: not? Excuse me?
0: Nothing, sorry. Did she ever mention her home life? Where she was from?
2: She always just said the islands. I thought Haiti, but I couldn't be sure.
0: Why Haiti? We made it well into the construction area. The PA system was turned off in this section. There weren't any hospital announcements. There were ladders and power tools, but no workers. Must have been lunchtime. I did see a thermos with...
2: Should be in here. The old HR office.
0: I pushed aside the heavy plastic blocking the door and stepped into the room. I saw Dr. Ron a split second before I saw the 38 in his hand. I'd been set up like a turkey on Thanksgiving. I started to turn away and I saw Nurse Helen raising a syringe. <laughs> I felt the slug tear into my gut. A warm feeling started in my stomach and spread outward. At the same moment, Nurse Helen pushed the syringe into my jacket.
2: Now we find out if the stories about the infamous Harry Strange are true. No magic. Just good old American pharmaceuticals. Say goodnight, Harry.
0: This time, the slug ripped into my side. I felt a hunk of flesh tear off. Goodnight, Harry. That sounded like a wonderful idea. Sleep. I sloshed barefoot through the mud. I couldn't remember when I lost my shoes and socks, but it must have been recently because my feet weren't accustomed to the cloying pull of oozing sludge. I was running towards the ship, trying to get on board before... Before what? I didn't know, but something was coming and I didn't want it to catch me. I could feel icy tendrils touching the back of my jacket, one brushed up against the skin under my ear and burned. I doubled my effort, but the freighter remained just out of reach.
3: Oh, lover boy.
0: I froze in place. That voice, I knew it. Even though it was dead, and had been for over a year.
3: Hello, Romeo. Looking for me?
0: It was my wife, Maddie. Except she wasn't my wife anymore. She'd been turned into a bloodthirsty vampire by a Euro-trash piece of maggot meat undead named Vale. Oh, she still looked like my Maddie, and sounded like her. But that was where the similarity ended. A self-loathing demon had taken up residence in her, and all it wanted to do was feed. At this particular moment, Maddie was holding a woman sailor in front of her, pulling her along by her hair. I had dropped my hand into my pocket and drew my weapon.
3: Are you really going to shoot me, lover boy? Would you risk hitting the little sailor girl?
0: Do you really think I'm going to let you go again?
3: You mean you would kill me? The woman you swore to protect? The woman you swore you'd die for? Well, buddy, you didn't do a very good job of protecting me, did you? Maybe you should make good on the second part of your promise.
0: I stepped toward her and she took a step back, dragging the sailor girl with her. What's the matter? Is the big bad vampire scared? Come on, Maddie, you don't have to do this. Let olive oil go and I promise I'll do everything in my power to find a cure.
3: A cure? You're going to find a cure? I don't think so. The smart brother died in your arms, as I recall. You can't protect anyone, can you?
0: You're not Maddie. You're a blood-sucking maggot wearing a Maddie suit. Do you know the worst thing about you vamps?
3: Other than the fact I can't eat Italian food anymore? Of course I can eat Italians, so I guess that works out okay.
0: It's your hypocrisy. All of you vampires were humans once and now you feed on them. That's got to screw with your head a little, right? I mean, you're all really just low-life cannibals with delusions of grandeur. You act superior to us, but you're inferior in so many ways. All you want to do is eat and sleep. You can't walk in the sun. You and the rest of the bloodsuckers are a joke. An evolutionary throwback to the caveman. No, that's not right. At least the cavemen paid in on walls. What's your form of expression? Matty yanked back on the sailor's hair, forcing the sailor backwards in what had to be an uncomfortable position. I heard a cracking sound as the sailor's back popped.
3: Mister, you're not really helping things here. Revolutionary throwback? Interesting. And yet here we are... Vampires, top of the food chain, you kill a cow and call it dinner. We kill a human and call it dinner. What's the difference? At least we eat our kills. What do you call the vampires you've killed over the years?
0: I'd call that justice, toots.
4: Please don't shoot.
3: I'm engaged. Look!
0: The sailor held up her finger to show us the ring. Maddie looked at it, her lips close to the sailor's throat. I saw what was going to happen a half-second too late. Maddie, no! (laughs) Maddie bit down on the sailor's throat. Blood started to squirt out of the sailor like water through a broken pipe. I fired two silver-loaded shots and Maddie flew backwards. I ran to the sailor. She was twitching on the ground. She wouldn't vamp out, but she wouldn't live either. I went to Maddie, who was on the ground clutching her chest. Smoke from her wounds rose around her. Her fangs were still down, yellowed, sharp pieces of enamel with tips brushing her lower lips. I put the gun in my pocket and reached behind me for my sword.
3: Honey, why?
0: I did my best to ignore her pleadings and her eyes. I pulled her by her hair and swung the sword. Her body fell away. The beeping sound in my head was getting louder. I knew, at some level, that this was a nightmare. It was the working of the Mara. I dropped Maddie's head and tried to locate the source of the beeping. Whatever it was, I was certain it was a bleed-through from the waking world. The other thing that convinced me that I was in a nightmare was my barefoot status. When I cut... When that thing with Maddie had happened in the waking world, I was wearing shoes.
4: Finally
3: figuring it out, smart guy.
0: I lifted Maddie's head so I could look at it in the eyes. What seemed like a gallon of blood was draining from the place where her neck was supposed to be attached to her body. Her skin, if you can imagine it, was even more pale and pallid than when she was a vampire. Maddie's ice blue eyes, however, were bright and focused. I always loved her eyes, the windows to the soul, they said. In this case, there wasn't a soul to see.
3: You've been trapped here for some time.
0: What? Trapped where?
3: The same place you've always been trapped.
0: What does that mean? If there was any question that this was a nightmare, me talking to my dead wife's decapitated head sealed the deal.
3: You need to get out. He needs you. They need you. They? For someone so smart, sometimes you're about as sharp as cottage cheese. They. The humans. This isn't just about a little boy. This is about a battle for humanity.
0: I turned to the beeping noise. It was so familiar. What did Justin and Trudy have to do with humanity? When I looked back to Maddie, her eyes were closed. Any stray blades of grass that her blood touched died, leaving only a gray husk behind. The front edge of the blood was very close to my bare toes. I stepped back. I looked at Maddie's head. Nothing. Why would there be? She was decapitated and all. I turned back towards the sound. I followed it to the reefer ship that was docked in the harbor. No doubt this was the ship the sailor girl was working on before her showdown with Maddie. The ship was painted white, a stark contrast to the blackness of the water lapping at its hull. I went up the catwalk and onto the main deck. The beeping was coming from a door standing near the front of the ship. You have to understand what I was seeing. It wasn't like a door set into a wall. It was just a door and frame standing in the middle of the deck. The door was about 20 feet tall with ornate carvings resembling a troll sitting on the chest of a nubile woman. The doorknob was even with my head and about twice as large. I peeked around the back of the door expecting to see... Well, I wasn't sure what I'd see, but it was just the other side of the deck. I wrapped both of my hands on the doorknob and started turning. Somewhere I heard massive tumblers click. I pushed and the door didn't move. I pulled the door and at first nothing happened. Then, slowly the door creaked towards me. I pulled harder and the door opened. It wasn't light that came from the door, but a darkness that enveloped everything it touched. First the door jamb disappeared, then the side of the door. I looked inside and saw nothing, but I could hear the beeping. Whatever was inside there, I had to know. I stepped in. The room was bright and the light hurt my eyes. There was a rack of monitoring gear to my right and the beeping sound was coming from the machine tracking my heart and pulse rate. It looked as if, to me at least, all systems were go. There were leads running from all of the monitors to a single receptacle on my index finger. It all came back to me. How I followed Nurse Helen into a trap in the old wing of the hospital. How Dr. Ron was waiting for me with a thirty-eight, two slugs to my stomach. With a hand that wasn't wired in, I felt my gut. Two patches of gauze were there. One on the left and one on the right. Nothing vital must have been hit or I'd have tubes running up my nose. Take it from me, as a guy who's been shot more times than Sonny Corleone, that little tube up the nose hurts like a...
5: Strange, you're awake. Welcome back to the land of the living.
0: Lieutenant West opened the door and stepped into the room. For a moment, I thought I might be back in a nightmare.
5: I'm glad to see you open your eyes, Strange. I have a lot of questions.
0: If I wasn't back in the nightmare, then I was in bizarro world. The lieutenant and I weren't exactly adversaries, but we did have a complicated relationship. You have a lot of questions? The last thing I remember was a doctor and nurse venting my innards with a .38.
5: You've got some day laborers to thank for saving. Three of them were eating their lunch in one of the rooms that are under construction and heard the gunshots. They came running and subdued the doc till we got there. The nurse tried to run, but the foreman caught her. You need to make a pilgrimage to Mexico and light some candles, amigo.
0: Are Dr. Ron and Nurse Helen in custody?
5: They are, but don't you get any ideas about visiting them. They're sealed up tighter than a cloistered nun. And I don't want you anywhere near them. What do you think you're doing? You're not going anywhere until the doc checks you out.
0: That's where you're wrong. You don't think I'm letting any doctor in this hospital touch me, do you?
5: They've already patched you up nicely. Like I want to know what you did to make the doctor and his nurse want to kill you.
0: What I did? Hello, victim here. I was just asking some questions about the boys who died.
5: And might you want to tell me why you thought the doctor might know anything about the boys?
0: I tossed the dice and took a chance. And, based on his reaction, I'd say it was dead on.
5: You keep showing up on all these cases, Strange. I have to explain to the captain why your name appears in so many of my police
0: reports. He's not going to like this. I was shot twice, and the captain is going to get angry about that? What a piece of work. At that moment, the door opened, and West and I both turned to see who it was. Have you ever had someone slam a mace or a nightstick into your gut? Probably not, because you don't know the same types of lowlifes that I do. At that moment, though, that was how I felt. Her legs were like a dancer's, taunt, muscular, and very feminine. She was wearing a flowered print sundress that looked to be custom-fitted to match every curve, clinging tightly to her in all the right places and hanging free in the others. Her auburn hair framed a smooth face with large, almond-shaped eyes. She was carrying a vase of flowers in one hand and an industrial-sized purse in the other. We made eye contact. She dropped her bag and ran to my bed, handing the flowers to West. West did a good job of not dropping the flowers while doing his best not to stare at Tasha.
6: Ari! gods, who did this? I was so worried.
0: My little pixie held me tight, her intoxicating scent of soap and roses filling my senses. I squeezed her back as best as I could in my awkward position. Tasha, how did you find out?
6: I had a very bad feeling about you. I called the hospital this morning. What happened?
5: Now that's what I want to know.
0: Before I could respond, the door opened again. This place was busier than the buffet on all-you-could-eat day at the fat farm. What's going on in here? The doctor looked quite flustered. From the looks of things and the sound of the monitor, Tasha had quite the effect on my ticker. West and the doctors as well, I'm sure. Lieutenant West, you can probably put that vase down anywhere. Let me take a look at those bandages. Excuse me. Tasha stood up, all four feet eleven inches of her, and moved to my side. She never let go of my free hand. This
5: is interesting. Your wounds are practically healed.
0: Tasha and I exchanged glances.
5: I heal quickly.
0: Good genetics.
5: Indeed. Well, I suppose you can check out, but I want to see you back here in three days.
0: After the routine paperwork was filled out, the three of us, Tasha, West, and yours truly, headed out. The lieutenant was giving me an hour for lunch and then expected me to be in his office to give a complete statement. I promised him I would. Then Tasha gave her word. After he was gone, I asked her why she did that.
6: Nothing changes with you, does it? That man is sincerely worried about you. He is probably one of the few people in Night Falls who has your back. He is certainly the only cop who does.
0: What about you? Do you still have my back?
6: I came to the hospital, didn't I? Funny, after three years, I still have a link to you. How are you treating Trudy and Justin?
0: We were silent while the waiter put our food on the table. I ordered a steak, rare, with extra Tabasco. Tasha ordered a veggie wrap. Still grazing, I see.
6: Still killing sentient beings so you can dine on their flesh, I see.
0: Damn, Tasha, I served you a love tap and you respond with a Joe Lewis left hook. That was a little over the top.
6: What's the expression, don't run with the big dogs if you can't piss on the porch?
0: I believe you mean, if you can't run with the big dogs, you should stay on the porch.
6: That's the one. I spoke with Rudy. I didn't tell her you were shot. I told her you want a lead and you would be getting back with her soon. So, what is going on with Justin?
0: It's the Mara. The High Priestess marked at least three boys eleven years ago. Two of them are dead, and the other one is at home with his mom.
6: The Mara. The hags of the nightmares. That's not good, Daddy. I don't think anyone has ever killed Amara.
0: Well, I don't think all seven can be killed, and certainly not at the same time. But one? I think I can do that. If not exactly kill her, I think I can trap her.
6: I suppose if anyone can kill one of them, you can. But what do they want with little boys?
0: Well, I'm not sure. But I have a theory.
6: Why doesn't that surprise me?
0: Because unlike Madame Cleo, you, my little pixie, really are psychic.
6: Pixie? I haven't heard that in years.
0: The silence fell on us like an uncomfortable blanket, the kind that scratches and pokes at you. I couldn't speak for Tasha, but I was thinking about a time some years ago. Tasha and I at the beach, she in a white two-piece that made her both admired and envied by everyone on the beach. Me sitting on the blanket, rubbing suntan oil on her back.
6: Harry, God, I hate it when you do that internal dialogue thing. Your theory?
0: I think I can take the Mara when she becomes corporeal.
6: That's it? You're going to beat Amara to death?
0: Not exactly. I'm gonna banish her. I have a few tricks up my sleeve, and a six foot long solid steel dreamcatcher sword made in Rome. But what really bugs me is why? What do the Mero want with these three boys? It's not as if these boys or their parents hold any significance. All of them were born to single mothers. True, they were all from the same hospital and OB, but why pick them?
6: Unwed mothers, maybe? Who is the father? Maybe they had the same father.
0: I thought about that, but no, they each had different fathers. I also plan on visiting Dr. Love and finding out about Samara. But right now, my only plan is keeping Justin alive by banishing or killing the Mara haunting his dreams. Of course, with your help, I can probably kill this one.
6: Whoa there, big guy. My help? Sweetie, it has been wonderful seeing you. I would be lying if I said that I haven't been thinking about giving it... us another shot. Obviously, the chemistry is still here. But, no, Harry... You and I are seeking two different paths.
0: I'm not asking for a long-term commitment, Tasha. Just help me with the Mara. Help me get Justin out of danger.
6: Don't do that, Harry. That type of manipulation is beneath contempt and less than what I would expect from you.
0: I swear I wasn't trying to manipulate you. I would have a greater chance for success if you would be there. You understand what Trudy, Justin, and I are up against without me needing to paint a picture... I don't have to sell you on unnaturals. You know what they're capable of doing. Come on, didn't we have fun with that coven of witches?
6: They kidnapped me and did... things. They almost killed you.
0: What about the Gorniffs? That was pretty cool. You throwing those blue bolts of fire like some crazy sorceress. Me hacking and slashing like a knight of yore. Plus you did look hot in that completely impractical fighting outfit. Metal bikini Leia has nothing on you.
6: I did look good. No, this is crazy. You're the champion. I am just an enchanted human.
0: Tasha, I could really use your help.
6: It stays strictly professional. And after this, I go back to my self-imposed Harry strange exile.
0: Absolutely. I respect your decision. I don't suppose you still have that bikini.
6: Not another word about that, Harry. What's the plan?
0: Well, I need dictionaries, the huge ones, the ones that are like six inches thick, eight of them.
4: Tonight's episode, Harry Strange 105, Halfway There, was written and directed by Tony Serechia and produced by Brian Ahern. All material is copyrighted by Tony Serechia and used with his permission. Featured in tonight's cast were Kimberly Poole, Parker Weirling, Kellen Stennett, Carissa Johnston, Brian Ahern, Tiss Sistrunk Parlamay, Casey Morgan, Clay Duggar, Alvin Macon, and Christine Cole. Harry's theme music was written and performed by Lance Hogan and is copyrighted by Lance Hogan and used with his permission. Contact Lance at his email, hoganl at yahoo.com. Incidental music was written and performed by Kevin McLeod and is copyrighted by Kevin McLeod and used with his permission. Visit Incompetech.com for more of Kevin's music. Visit harrystrange.com to keep up with the latest news and information on everyone's favorite private investigator. Send your questions, comments, and suggestions to producer at harrystrange.com. For The Harry Strange Show, I'm Sarah Sarekia. Good night.